Welcome back to another College Hoops Mania podcast episode. I'm your host, Wes Troyer, and I'm joined today with Chase Warner again for the second straight week. But before I get into today's content, I need to go over a few things first. So first of all, if you listen to this on Apple Podcasts or if you listen to this on Spotify, it's super helpful if you would subscribe or follow, depending on what you listen to this on, as well as leave a rating and review if you listen to this on Apple Podcasts. Also, you can find my podcast account on both Instagram and Twitter, where you can find me at chmpod on both of those platforms. I am also on Patreon, where you can find me by looking up my name, Wes Troyer, or by looking up the podcast, College Hoops Mania. On Patreon, you can donate any amount you want, and any amount is greatly appreciated, as it'll all be used to better the podcast. And so with that being said, let's get right into today's show. So like I said, I'm joined with joined by Chase Warner again today. He was on the show last week, picking the bracket with me, but I'm happy to have him back today. Chase, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. It'll be a lot of fun. For sure, for sure. So obviously, we're here to talk about the NCAA tournament. We are through two rounds, and we are into the Sweet 16. So Chase, what exactly stood out to you the most from the first weekend in college basketball? Yeah, first of all, it's just really exciting and refreshing to finally have the tournament back again after it being canceled last year. And there's been no shortage of surprises this year, as I think this is the highest average seed that has made it to the Sweet 16 this year at like 5.88 or something. There's been a crazy amount of upsets. And then we have what many consider the best conference in basketball this year, the Big Ten, only getting one Sweet 16 team out of nine tournament teams. And then what some consider the worst, which is the Pac-12, getting four of their five teams to the Sweet 16. So there's definitely been some crazy storylines, very surprising tournament so far, but a ton of fun altogether. Oh yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, I believe all perfect brackets were lost after like the, was it the Virginia game? Or was it the, yeah, it was a Virginia game. Yeah, which was literally just on the second day of the tournament. So, I mean, absolutely crazy. I'm sure your bracket's busted, everybody's bracket is busted at this point. But yeah, on Sunday, I'm going to go through the results real quick on who advanced the Sweet 16. So on Sunday, we saw Loyola Chicago beat Illinois. We saw Baylor beat Wisconsin. Syracuse beat West Virginia. Arkansas beat Texas Tech. Houston beat Rutgers. 15-seed Oral Roberts defeated Florida. 5-seed Villanova defeated North Texas. And 12-seed Oregon State upset Oklahoma State. And then on Monday... Uh, the other teams who advanced to the 16, we saw Oregon beat Iowa, Gonzaga held serve and beat Oklahoma, UCLA, 11 seed advanced to the 16, beat Abilene Christian, 5 seed Creighton defeated Ohio, Michigan beat LSU in a game that a lot of people thought they might lose, 4 seed Florida State beat Colorado, 2 seed Alabama beat Maryland, and 6 seed USC beat Kansas. And so like you said, probably the biggest storyline of everything is mainly just the conferences, like the Big Ten had nine teams coming to the NCAA tournament. Only one made it to the Sweet 16, and the Pac-12 had five teams make it, one of those making it only because they won their conference tournament in, in Oregon State, and four of those advanced to the second weekend. And so looking at the second round games, let's start off with the Illinois and Loyola Chicago game, which kicked off the second round games on Sunday. What... Uh, what did you, what was the biggest takeaway, would you say, from that game? Yeah, I mean, what surprised me the most is Loyola really dominated this game from the tip. I mean, it never felt like 
it was always a close game. Like Illinois could always make a run, but Illinois was never really in the game. And like Loyola played incredible basketball on defense. They like, anytime Illinois set a ball screen, they blitzed the ball screen, created a lot of turnovers from that. When Kofi Coburn would get the ball down low, they would send two to three guys at him. And I know he scored like 20 points, but he also like definitely could have kicked the ball out, just was unable to do so. Cameron Crutwig was amazing in this game. He had, he forced two huge turnovers on Iowa Dasumu at the end of the game. He made it very hard for Kofi to guard the ball screen as he was very active. Um, yeah, I mean, Illinois did not look good in this game. Andre Carbello probably played the best of anyone. Io was very disappointing. Trent Frazier shot like one for 10, I think. Very disappointing game for Illinois overall and Loyola really dominated this game. Yeah, like you kind of got the feeling when this game started or like after like the first few minutes, you could just see it kind of like in the Loyola Chicago players' eyes. You could see it in Porter Moser's eyes. Like they just looked like, like they were the team that was supposed to win. Like they were the one seed in that game and they controlled it the whole way. I love how they played through Crutwig. They did it the very first possession of the game. They would get it to him at the top of the key and they'd have a guard come off a double screen and it would be into a dribble handoff and then Crutwig would dive. And they got a lot of stuff off that action. And they, they just ran that so many times. In Illinois, honestly, they only stopped it a couple times. Like Loyola got easy points off of that action right there. But on the same day, like Luca Garza is the National Player of the Year, and everybody knows that. But probably the two most exciting players to watch are Desun Io Desunmu and Cade Cunningham, which we lost on the same day in the round of 32. And that was honestly fairly disappointing to see. The whole NCAA tournament has just been very unpredictable. But looking at Loyola Chicago, Chase, do you see them as a realistic opera? Like, do you see them having a realistic shot to go to another Final Four in uh, two times out of three years? For sure. I mean, I think they're very underseeded coming into the tournament. They're ranked like nine on Ken Palm, which would like mean they would be a three seed, not that they necessarily should have been. But we've seen them look like a really good basketball team. And I would be surprised if they lose to Oregon State, who has also been really hot. But if Houston can get past Syracuse, I mean, that's a really good Elite Eight matchup. But I mean, the way Illinois Chicago, Loyola Chicago played against Illinois, we've seen that they can play with and beat anyone. So no, it definitely would not be surprising to see them go to another Final Four. I, I liked what you said about Loyola Chicago being underseeded. And I heard this a little bit. It, it, it's, it's really not fair at all that Illinois has to play Loyola Chicago in this game. And like, obviously Illinois should still take care of business. They're still, I mean, people would agree, they're still better than Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago just executed way, way uh, more efficiently that day. But we've seen it before where the NCAA tournament has like severely underseeded a team it, because these met like especially the predictive metrics. I mean, all of them about agree that Loyola Chicago is like a top 10, top 15 team and coming in as an eight seed. I mean, that's saying that they're like around the 30 mark in the country or so. And, and putting them there just really hurts whoever the one seed is like it could like it, if that would have been Michigan. I mean, Michigan very easily could have lost that game. Even Baylor, obviously, I don't know about Gonzaga, but any of them could have lost a little Chicago, especially the way they played that day. I think if the NCAA tournament is to like underseed a team, it, it makes a big difference when they underseed a team that makes the one seed play them. Like, I mean, I heard, I think I heard uh, it might have, it was either Norlander or Paris say this. Like, if a team is ranked in the top ten of a predictive metric, like. 
like everywhere, all the predictive metrics. If they shouldn't be allowed to play the one seed in the eight, nine game or in the one, eight game, one, one, nine game, whatever it is. I know that's kind of weird to say, like that'd be a weird rule to implement, but it's just, it's just very unfair for Illinois to have to play Loyola Chicago in that second game. The next game I want to talk about on Sunday that we saw the next, well, the next game that happened that day was Baylor who played really good. They beat Wisconsin by 13. We saw them take care of the ball better and shoot the ball more efficiently. But the next game I want to talk about is the Syracuse West Virginia game. And we've seen it before Syracuse coming in as a lower seed and advanced in the NCAA tournament. And we saw it again on Sunday where they beat West Virginia 75 to 72. Buddy Bayheim is arguably playing the best basketball of his career. Joe Girard is starting to play good basketball again as he's really struggled this year. How surprising was this result to you? Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a fairly surprising result. Syracuse obviously came out in the zone and West Virginia looked like that first half, they just didn't know how to play against it. And I mean, I feel like they should have known it was coming and should have prepared for it more. But the second half was so fun to watch. Buddy Beheim seemed like he could just score every possession. They got to a point where it just seemed like a Buddy Beheim versus Sean McNeil shootout, both just coming down, hitting threes every time. And then at the end of the game, West Virginia started to get into like a full port, full court press trap type thing that Syracuse couldn't seem to figure out. And I feel like if this game went on any longer, West Virginia would have gotten over the hump. I mean, they started to make a comeback there in the second half. Just anytime they like, anytime it felt like they were about to take the lead, but Bayheim just came down and scored a bucket. Like Bayheim took this game over in the second half, but I am pretty surprised by the outcome. Yeah, no, I, I was very surprised. I had West Virginia winning this region. West Virginia was a team I was extremely high on. And especially with their shooting ability, I thought they, I thought they would be fine against Syracuse. But there's just, there's just something about Syracuse in March. It, it's just weird. Like, they've had, they have so much success. And maybe it's part of just the fact that, like, it's those weird play styles that, that teams aren't really used to playing all year long. And then they, they see an NCAA tournament that, that gives a team struggle. And that's what Syracuse obviously has with their zone and their, their two, three zone that they play for 40 minutes every game with this result. Then Syracuse will play Houston in the sweet 16. Houston is the second best offensive rebounding team in the country. I believe that's still true behind North Carolina. I could be wrong about that. But Houston also isn't a very good three-point shooting team. How do you see that result looking with, you know, those kind of two differences there for Houston? Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, Houston's lucky to even be able to play this game. Like, the game against Rutgers, Rutgers controlled the entire game. Houston had to have a 14-2 run to end the game with some huge miscues by Rutgers, such as missed defensive rebounds that led to, like, a Grimes three at the end of the game the putback that led to the and one to put them up one. I mean, it, this game could definitely go either way. I could see it going either way. DeJandro, he has a hit pointer injury that he played through in the Rutgers game. He played very well. I mean, Marcus Sasser really struggled. I think he was like one for nine from the field. So obviously getting him going will be important in the Syracuse game. But if Buddy Beheim can continue his hot, his hot shooting and scoring, this game could go either way. I'm picking Houston in it, but I would definitely not be surprised at the result, no matter who wins. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen the line on this game, but I mean, I'm sure Syracuse is, is dogs, but not by much, probably just by a couple points. Yeah. It really just comes down to how Houston can shoot the ball, especially from, 
from Grimes and, and Jerome. Well, Jerome's, Jerome's kind of struggled, but he he shot it well in the Rutgers game. But Grimes and Sasser in particular. Um, but yeah, like you said, the the Houston game. Houston got pretty lucky in that game to come to come away with a with a W. People kind of expected going into that one that it could be an ugly game, and it was. I mean, it wasn't necessarily ugly in terms of like teams shooting the ball, but it, it was a really slow paced game, which you would have expected. A decent amount of turnovers that we saw in this game. But Houston did escape in this one, and which leads me into the next game on Sunday, the Cinderella that everybody is talking about, and that is Oral Roberts, who defeated two-seed Ohio State, and then they beat seven-seed Florida in their next game. Oral Roberts will now be playing Arkansas in the Sweet 16, but Oral Roberts in the Florida game came with an 81-78 to win. They're, they're top two scorers. I believe is the highest scoring duo in the country. Is that correct? Do you know that? Yeah, that is correct. And Max A. Smith, part of that duo, is the top scorer in the country mm-hmm. yep. by himself too. So yeah, he passed he passed Garza there a little a little while ago. But what was your biggest take takeaway in the Oral Roberts game? I mean, Max A. Smith and Kevin O'Banner, they're incredible. They combined for fifty nine in the Ohio State game and then 26, they had 26 and 28 respectively in the Florida game. Florida looked like they were kind of in control of this game with about seven minutes left. I think they were up 11 and then they just really didn't have an answer for O'Banner. He came down, hit an and one three to get him back into it. It was scoring in the post and they just found a way to win again. Yeah. Very impressive. It's just, I wonder like, we see teams get hot in the first weekend, but it's often hard for teams to stay hot going into the next weekend because they have that time off and just having the time off kind of can affect with the rhythm and stuff. But they will play Arkansas. Arkansas is a team that likes to play really fast. I expect it to be a pretty dang high-scoring game in that one. But if Oral Roberts, like, with with their duo of O'Banner and, and Amos, like, I mean – anything can happen when those guys because those guys can put 60 together and it's really not even that surprising i mean they both can shoot it really well from deep they uh they can score it uh inside as well and o'banner i mean that dude's just like he's a freaking machine double doubles uh really good defensively as well he really disrupted a lot in the florida game i believe he had like four steals in that one but do you think they have a realistic shot in the arkansas game yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't think you can count them out. They've beaten Ohio State and Florida already. They're really hot right now. I'm taking Arkansas. I like the way Arkansas has looked. Justin Smith's been playing really well these past few games. But, no, I don't think you can count Oral Roberts out either, and I do think they have a realistic shot in this game. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Arkansas, they, they squeaked one out against Texas Tech. But, like, what you said against Justin Smith or about Justin Smith, he's honestly the X factor for this for this team when they struggled it was probably about in early january they lost a couple it was without justin smith and i believe they uh have only they're like 22 and 4 with justin smith in the lineup or it's it's something like that i mean he's a super versatile guy transfer from iu who can who can really fill it up i mean he's super versatile defensively can switch can guard multiple positions arkansas for a while this year was mainly just kind of a team that played really fast and scored the ball to high clip, but struggled defensively. But that's really just not the case anymore. Arkansas is a really complete basketball team. And when Moses Moody is going 
And he had a little bit of a cold streak towards the end of the year, but he's picking up shooting the ball again. I mean, Arkansas is extremely dangerous, and there's really no reason to think that they can't come away in that region and possibly beat Baylor in the Elite Eight. Yeah, and going back to that Arkansas-Texas Tech game, Arkansas is another team that, like Houston, is lucky to have advanced in that game. Um, Texas Tech closed out that game horribly. Kyler Edwards missed a fairly good shot at the rim. That would have tied it. Mac McClung missed a big-time free throw, and they missed another big layup right before that. I mean, Texas Tech was in the lead for a lot of this game. Arkansas kind of came back. There was a point in this game where there was – Back-to-back banked-in threes. Yeah, I believe those banked-in threes were from, weren't they from Moses Moody and who, who's the Texas Tech guy off the bench? Agbo or Chabuzo Agbo or something like that. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, but yeah. yeah that, right after those bank, banked-in threes, he banked one in, then Moody banked one in, and then he airballed one from the corner. So that was, <laughs> that was a nice little stretch of basketball for three possessions. <laughs> I forgot about the airball. Yeah, you're right. But yeah. Uh, so with that, Arkansas advanced to Sweet 16, like we said. And the last, the last one from Sunday night that I want to touch on a little bit was just the Oregon State Oklahoma State game. Uh, I know you are a huge Cade Cunningham fan. I am also a pretty big Cade Cunningham fan as well. So we are both sad to see him leave the college game, especially a little earlier than expected. Oregon State, though. Won the Pac-12 tournament, wouldn't be here without a Pac-12 tournament title. And then they beat um, Tennessee, killed Tennessee, and then they beat Oklahoma State in a game that they controlled the whole way. This result was, in particular, very surprising to me. Was this surprising to you as well? Yeah, for sure. It was very surprising to me. Very disappointing end to Cade Cunningham's college career. The first half of that game, Oregon State felt like they couldn't miss. They were hitting threes left and right. They're winning. They're leading 38 to 22 at halftime. And then in the second half, Oklahoma State really climbed back into the game. They got it to within two points with around 10 minutes left in the second half, I feel like. And then they followed that with a six minute stretch of no field goals. And it got to like a 10, 11 point game again. And then they got it back down to three, a three point game on a Cade Cunningham steal and three point basket. And then after that, they just played some horrible offense again. Avery Anderson missed a layup. They started taking bad shots and I don't know, they climbed back in the game a couple times, but they just couldn't get over the hump. Ethan Thompson closed the game incredibly well, hit that fader from like the elbow with like six seconds left on the shot clock when Oklahoma State was up or down by three. Um, he had clutch free throws at the end. Yeah, I mean, disappointing end to Cade Cunningham's career. Looks like they may pull it off in the second half and they just couldn't get over the hump. But yeah, speaking about Oregon State, they're they obviously won two games in the tournament already, but their March Madness pretty much started at the start of the Pac-12 tournament. They played five elimination games in a row. Now won all of them, looked really good in all of them. That Tennessee game, they absolutely dominated. They shot like 50% from three, held Tennessee to like five of 26 from three, I think, forced bad shots all game. And their offense is rolling right now. I mean, Oregon State, Loyola Chicago is gonna be a really good game. Yeah, no doubt. I You could see, like, Cade Cunningham wanted that win so bad. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen him fly around defensively like the way he was in the final uh, maybe six minutes or so in that Oregon State game. game. I mean, he was everywhere. And then when they when they got it to – was it – they get it to three when they had the, bat, the three and the steal and the three. Was it three or four? It was 70 to 67 at that point. So, yeah, yeah they, they got, got it. a three-point game. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was super fired up. 
But then, like you said, I mean, the combination of Oklahoma State forcing shots and Oregon State making some tough shots ultimately finished off the Cowboys and allowed the Beavers to complete the upset. And that concluded Sunday's second round games, which leads me into Monday's second round games. We're recording this on Tuesday, so this this was just yesterday. The first one to start out the day was two seed Iowa playing seven seed Oregon. Was has has Oregon played a better basketball game than anybody else in the tournament to date? They they've had to have. I mean, the first half of the Iowa Oregon game had to have been the most entertaining half of basketball that we've seen all year, and Oregon still ended up with a ten point lead. I think with two minutes left in that half, it was tied at 46-46, and then Oregon went on a 10-0 run that really kind of killed Iowa because they came out of halftime still on fire and really like brought that game out of reach. But that first half of basketball, they were just trading buckets back and forth. Chris Duarte, I think, had 14 points in the first half. Will Richardson looked incredible. It's great for them to have him back playing at his best. But Luca Garza also, I mean, I know they lost by, what was the final score, 15-point game? Yeah, 95-80. But yeah, Luca Garza almost had a 40-piece. He, you could tell that he really wanted that, and that loss is not on him. Oregon just played an incredible basketball game from start to finish. It was a ton of fun to watch. No, yeah, it was definitely not Garza's fault. I mean, 14 for 20 from the field, 3 for 4 from 3, 36 points. Extremely efficient, only had one turnover. I mean, Garza had 36. Wieskamp had 17. Their other three starters, Frederick McCaffrey and Bohannon, all had zero. I mean, you're not going to win a basketball game like that. But I this was one of the few upsets that I actually did pick right this year. I picked Oregon in this one. And you you saw how lethal their five-out offense is when, when, they, when they go with their starters. I mean, the spacing was just absolutely killing Iowa. Oregon was getting downhill. And what I, what I loved about what they did, I mean – the threes that like they shot really well from three, but it was mostly uh, drive and kick threes. And those are threes that you want. And that's what they were getting all, all day long. I love the versatility of Omarui and Figueroa. Those guys are super difficult to guard. Both transfers, Figueroa from St. John's, Omarui from Rutgers. Oregon, Oregon will now play USC in the next game, which will be a Pac-12 battle in the Sweet 16. And the winner will likely play Gonzaga if Gonzaga can get by Creighton. But if Oregon plays a basketball game as well as they did against Iowa, there's no reason to think that they can't. Yeah. I don't know if they can beat Gonzaga, but they certainly can be right there with Gonzaga because when you're looking for a team to, you know, that you're looking to pick an upset for, I mean, Oregon is as good of as good as an offensive team as nearly anybody in the country. Chris Duarte, if he was on a big name school, people would be talking about him everywhere. And obviously he's out West. And so he's not talked about as much, but Chris Duarte, in my opinion, I've said this, I think he's the second best guard in America behind Asunmu. And he showed that against Iowa. Also on Monday, we saw two double digit seeds playing each other, UCLA and Abilene Christian, where UCLA won 67 to 47. UCLA is playing great basketball. Not going to talk a lot about UCLA here, but UCLA is playing great basketball and they'll play Alabama in their next game in a game where UCLA certainly has a chance in Gonzaga beat Oklahoma by 16. Oklahoma was scoring well early, couldn't quite hang on, but Oklahoma battled, you know, most of that game and 
Also, what we saw on Monday, Creighton beat seventy or Creighton beat Ohio seventy-two to fifty-eight. That was a game where I thought Ohio might be in there a little closer, but Creighton was firing from all cylinders in that one. Next game, I want the next game I want to talk about a little more deeper is the LSU Michigan game, where one seed uh, Michigan beat eight seed LSU eighty-six to seventy-eight. Super entertaining basketball game. Do you enjoy this one as well? Oh yeah, this LSU Michigan game was a ton of fun. Cam Thomas was incredible. He started off the game scoring like, I don't know what it was, but I want to say like 90% of their points in like the first 10 minutes. He finished the game with 30 points. He kind of um, got cold for a stretch there in the second half. Javante Smart played really well too. And I said, like, I thought that this matchup could be, could give Michigan some some trouble. And it really did in the first half. There was a point where Michigan was down by nine and they came back at the end of the half. And I think they actually led by, I won at halftime. And I mean, even coming out of the second half, like LSU caught fire again. Javante Smart played really well to start the half there. And they took like a seven point, seven point, eight point lead. Um, but at the point where they got the seven or eight point lead, they got the ball back and Javante Smart came down and tried to throw like a between the legs pass to a teammate who was behind him. They just went, ended up going out of bounds and Michigan got the ball back and kind of went on like a little 8-0 run right there. That really killed the momentum that LSU had, and Michigan really never looked back from there. Eli Brooks played incredible. He was probably the best player for Michigan in this game, hit five threes, and just had a really good game overall. Chaundy Brown was also huge for Michigan off the bench, but a super fun game overall. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird because the way this game started, I mean, LSU was playing super good offensively, but then you look at their final numbers and they shot 39 from the field and 29 from three, which doesn't look too good, but they did get to the line a lot. They, they made 18 free throws and got there 23 times. But if you would have told me that LSU scored 78 points in this game, I don't know if I would have thought Michigan would have won, to be honest with you, because obviously Michigan isn't a like, they're a good offensive team. They're not a great offensive team without livers. Uh, it's a significant hit. But, yeah, Michigan played really, really good basketball in this game. And we've seen a lot this year where Michigan plays timely basketball. I mean, down the stretch of games, they've been very good. And they were in this game as well where they put LSU away, you know, in the final uh, 10 minutes or so. And so Michigan advanced to the Sweet 16, which makes it the third number one seed to advance to the Sweet 16. The rest of the night, I mean – didn't really have a whole lot of close games. The Sunday second round games were certainly better than the Monday second round games. The rest of the night, we saw that Florida State beat Colorado by 18. We saw Alabama beat Maryland by 19. And USC absolutely killed Kansas, beat them by a score of 85 to 51. Chase, do you think USC is a realistic Final Four contender? It's just hard to say with them being in Gonzaga's region. If they were in any other region, I think I would say yes, but I have a hard time seeing them beating Gonzaga. It's definitely possible. They can definitely make a game out of it. They absolutely dominated Kansas. Isaiah Mobley was probably the best player in the game for them. Hit four threes. Um, really showed a good shooting stroke there. I mean, Kansas really struggled. They only had one player score double digits even. I mean, USC looked incredible. The, the matchup, USC-Oregon matchup in the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16 is going to be a ton of fun to watch, and I'm super excited for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. It, it's, you wouldn't really expect a Pac-12 Sweet 16 matchup, but, but here we are with six-seed USC and seven-seed Oregon. I would agree with you. 
I don't know if, if I were picking you between USC and Oregon, do I think have a better shot to, to beat pro, uh, probably Gonzaga and lead I mean, I'd probably say Oregon, but, but with you, but USC's uh, front court with uh, the Mobley brothers, that's something that Oregon really doesn't have. I mean, Evan Mobley is a terrific two-way player and he's really good defensively. He's, he was named one of the four defensive player of the year finalists today, along with Herb Jones, Davion Mitchell, who was, do you remember who the other one was? No, I didn't. I, 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 forget. Didn't. I forget who uh, the fourth one was. But yeah, he was named a finalist for the defensive player of the year today. Yeah, I mean, he was also like the Pac-12 freshman of the year, defensive player of the year, and player of the year. So incredible player in Evan Mobley. He only shot six shots in the Kansas games, hit made four of them, posted a double-double with 10 points, 13 rebounds. I mean, he can, he does a, he does everything for this team. Oh, for sure, for sure. Evan Mobley. I mean, he was the number one recruit in his class for a while, and it's kind of weird for a guy who was ranked that high coming out of high school to kind of he, he's. I would say he's kind of went under the radar a little bit this year. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. I mean, I feel like all the talk has been on Cade Cunningham and Jalen Suggs for the number one pick, while Evan Mobley's quietly been having an amazing year mm-hmm. out at USC. Definitely, I think, should be in consideration for the number one pick. He just doesn't get talked about like the others do, and throwing Jalen Green in there, too, from the G League. Just... Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would agree with that for sure. Um, so that is all the second-round matchups, and we are here for Sweet 16. Sweet 16 will be played on Saturday and Sunday, Elite Eight on Monday and Tuesday. And so me and Chase are going to make our new uh, tournament picks here. Our brackets are mostly done for, although we both had Gonzaga as a champion, so they're both alive still. But we are going to make our new picks from here on out. And so the first game on Saturday at 2.40 on CBS is 8-seed Loyola Chicago and 12-seed Oregon State. Who are you going to pick in this one? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to take Loyola Chicago in this one. They have looked incredible so far. They were definitely underseeded, as, like I mentioned, they were ranked number nine on Ken Palm. But Oregon State has been playing really good basketball. They've been playing really good on offense. I just don't see them stopping Cameron Crutwig and everything that he brings to this team. Um, I really also like Braden Norris and Lucas Williamson. I think they're a very complete team. And I would just be surprised if Oregon State can continue the hot shooting that they've been doing. But, I mean, they've carried it over five games so far, so anything can happen. Just I'm picking Loyola Chicago in this game. I think think Sister Jean's going to carry him to another Final Four. Yes, sir. I'm on the same. I'm on the same page with you here. I'm taking Loyola Chicago in this game. I actually think Loyola Chicago is probably the best team in the region uh, left, honestly. And it's kind of weird because if if Houston and them are to play in the Elite Eight, Houston will be favored. But I bet you Houston would only be favored by like a point or two. I mean, it's not going to be much. It's pretty much a pretty much a toss up, which is kind of weird considering Loyola is an eight seed and Houston's a two seed. But I agree. I'm taking Loyola Chicago in this game. The next game on Saturday, 5:15 on CBS as well. Baylor and Villanova. Villanova is a five seed, but a team that not a lot of people expected to be here in the Sweet 16, especially after Colin Gillespie went down. But they uh, they had a good showing in both of their games. Beat Winthrop and they beat North Texas handily. Who uh, who do you have in this one? Yeah, I mean, like you said, people kind of counted Villanova out after losing Colin Gillespie. Um, 
many people picked Winthrop over them. That was a trendy upset pick. But Jeremiah Robinson Earl has been incredible the last two games, and they really dominated both of them. I know they were over 12-seed Winthrop and 13-seed North Texas, but North Texas looked like a good team against Purdue, and they absolutely destroyed them. However, I'm still going Baylor in this one. I don't see Villanova slowing them down too much. I think Baylor wins this pretty handily, but yeah, I'm picking Baylor in this one. They've looked good for the first two tournament games so far, got back on track after kind of struggling towards the end of the season. Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, Macy Oteague all playing pretty well. I'm picking Baylor. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, I, I there's there's a possibility Villanova can win, but if, if Baylor takes care of the basketball like they did in the Wisconsin game and they shoot it, uh, as well as they can, as they're the best three-point shooting team in the country. I don't see Baylor losing this game. Could be competitive for a little bit, but I think Baylor by double digits in this one. The next game that we see on Saturday comes at 7.25 p.m. This time on TVS, we have three-seed Arkansas and 15-seed Oral Roberts. As much as I want to take Oral Roberts in this game, and me and Chase are actually going to the Elite Eight games on Monday. And so we'll see the winners of these games on Saturday. And so I'd love to see Oral Roberts for sure. But I'm still going with three-seed Arkansas. I mean, like I said, I think, I think they're a pretty complete basketball team. And part of it, you see a lot of teams have a really hot first weekend, but then it kind of wears off a little bit. And you have to wait and wait to play your next game instead of, you know, just waiting a day in between and then playing your next one. So that could play that could play an effect in Oral Roberts. I don't really expect for them to come out quite as hot as they had been the first weekend. I'm taking Arkansas on this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm also going to take Arkansas on this one. This Oral Roberts run has been very fun so far, and it'd be cool to see it keep going. But Arkansas has been playing really good basketball here. Uh, Justin Smith's been playing incredible. If he can keep that play up, I just don't see Oral Roberts winning this game. Um, I think Arkansas is an 11-point favorite in this game, and maybe Oral Roberts can keep it, can cover here, but I don't see them actually winning the game. Moses Moody, if he's on, he's incredible as well. I'm picking Arkansas. Yeah, I agree with you there. And then the last one on Saturday, we have two-seed Houston playing 11-seed Syracuse. Um, I am going to pick Houston this game. This is a tough one for me to pick. It's a six-point spread, which I think might be a, a little bit too high. I, I like uh, Syracuse playing the zone against it. Well, obviously, they always play the zone, but I'm saying I like the matchup-wise against Houston and their, you know, their struggles from behind, from behind the arc. But they're also a really good offensive rebounding team, and obviously rebounding in the zone is extremely difficult. So I could see Houston racking up second chances in this one, and I was going to say they squeak by Syracuse in the Sweet 16. Yeah, this is the hardest one of the day for me to pick, but I'm also going to go with Houston. Um, if Marcus Sasser can get back on track after shooting like one for nine in the Texas Tech game, that'll be big for them. Um, this week gives Dijon Duro a little bit of chance to heal up some, and hopefully he can be completely healthy by the time for the by the time of the Syracuse game. And like you said, I think they're going to be able to get some offensive rebounds and second chance points, like they did well at the end of the Texas Tech game against Syracuse's zone. But, I mean, I don't think you can count out Syracuse and Buddy Beheim because, as you've seen so far, he's really carried them the past couple games, scoring nearly 30 in, like, their last three games, I think. But I think I'm, I'm picking Houston in this game. A very exciting matchup for sure, though. Yep, so we're on the same page on all these games here. Something else uh, let's do, we're going to do here, we're going to pick against the spread then here as well for all these four games. So Loyola Chicago is a six-and-a-half-point favorite against Oregon State. 
I will say Loyola Chicago covers in this one, barely. I will go with Loyola Chicago to cover in this one. How about you? I'm also taking Loyola Chicago to cover in this one. In the next one, you have Baylor favored by six and a half. What do you have there? I have Baylor covering pretty comfortably in this one. I honestly don't think it'll be much of a game towards the end. I think they can win by 10 plus fairly easily. Yeah, I also agree. I think this is probably the the spread I'd be most confident in is laying Baylor six and a half points here. The next one, Arkansas favored by 11 over Oral Roberts. I am going to say, ooh, that is really tough. I'm going to say Arkansas covers. I'm going to say Arkansas wins by 13 points in this one. What do you got in that? I'm picking Oral Roberts to cover this one. I think Arkansas wins the game, but I think Oral Roberts just with Max Asmus and Kevin O'Banner has enough that they can keep it close down the stretch. And I think they end up covering, I, I, I'll pick Arkansas by around seven points in this game. Okay, okay. And then the last one, we have Houston favored by six. Uh, what do you, what do you like in this one? Yeah. Like you said, I think this um, spread is a little bit too big. I did pick Houston to win this game, but I think it'll be a very close game and come down to the last couple of possessions. I'm picking Syracuse to cover. On the same page as you there, I'll go plus the points in Syracuse in that one. And now on to Sunday's Sweet 16 games. We're just going to pick the winner and the spread this time at the same same time. The first one, Gonzaga and Creighton. Gonzaga favored by 13.5. What do you have here? Yeah, um, I picked Creighton to the Sweet 16, and they're one of the, my least confident picks, but I mean, they squeaked by UCSB in the first round, and then they played really well against Ohio. I thought Zegarowski got back on track after they've had quite a few struggles towards the end of the season, including like the whole drama with Greg McDermott. But I still don't see them giving Gonzaga too much of a fight. I think I'm definitely going Gonzaga to win, and I think I'm also picking Gonzaga to cover. Drew Timmy's just too dominant right now. I don't see Creighton slowing him down. I'm going to also pick Gonzaga to win as they are my champion, but I'm going to pick Creighton to cover. 13 and a half just seems like a lot. I mean, obviously Gonzaga can score in a hurry, so they they can, you know, it could be a close game for a while and they could still cover late, but I'm still going to go Creighton to cover in this one. I'll say Gonzaga by 11 over Creighton in the Sweet 16 matchup. Next game, we have Michigan and Florida State. Michigan favored by three. I am picking Florida State to win this game. And so I'm obviously picking Florida State to cover in this one. What do you have? Yeah, I'm also picking Florida State in this game, so I'm picking them to cover. I mean, Michigan struggled last game against LSU. I know LSU was hitting their shots, but they're also a pretty bad defensive team. They took some horrible shots. Florida State is a much more well-coached team, in my opinion. They're very solid defensively. They, they can get their offense going at times, and I think they'll give Michigan a lot of trouble on the defensive end. And I think they come out of the, with the win in this one. Yeah, I agree. I just love Florida State's size and their versatility. And Copervita should be able to match up fairly well with Dickinson down low, which will be an interesting matchup. But, yep, Florida State in this one is my pick and your pick as well. In the next one, we have two-seed Alabama, 11-seed UCLA. Very interesting matchup, in my opinion. Alabama's favored by six. What do you have in this one? I have Alabama winning this game, but I'm going UCLA to cover. UCLA's been playing great basketball recently. Um, Johnny Juzang has been playing the best basketball of his life these past like three games. And I think they'll cover here and make an interesting game down the stretch. Yeah, I'm actually going to pick UCLA to win win this game. And so I'm obviously picking UCLA to cover. I, I I just love the way UCLA is playing right now. I mean, 
just starting with the playing game against Michigan State, they looked like a completely different team. Like you said, Johnny Juzang is playing phenomenal basketball. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to pick UCLA to win. If Alabama doesn't make shots from deep, it can get dangerous for them real quick. So I'm taking the Bruins and then obviously taking UCLA to cover as well. And then in the last one, we have USC and Oregon, Pac-12 battle. USC is favored by two and a half in this one. I'm going to pick Oregon to win the game and Oregon to cover. I picked Oregon to lead eight, and I'm not backing down now. What do you have? Yeah, I'm also picking Oregon to win the game, therefore picking Oregon to cover. Um, Oregon and USC's last last game, I mean, those are the two of the best games played this tournament, but I just can't I can't pick against Oregon after watching the way they played last game. They were amazing on offense. They were very active defensively. I mean, Garza scored 36, but they still made it hard on him, and they shut down most of the other options outside Garza. I think they can do something similar to Evan and Isaiah Mobley, and if they can play play like that again, I don't see Oregon losing this game, although I am very excited for this game. Right. No, I, I agree with you there. And so, obviously, we won't have spreads for these Elite Eight games, but based off our winners, we're going to pick who we think will advance to the Final Four from there. And so, in Gonzaga's region, we have – we each have Gonzaga and Oregon. Who are you going to pick to win that one and advance to Final Four? Yeah, it kind of sucks that Oregon has to match up against Gonzaga because I would love to pick Oregon to the Final Four, and I think they can make it a game against Gonzaga. But I'm not going against the Zags in this one. I'm taking Gonzaga to the Final Four. Yeah, I'm. All, I'm also picking Gonzaga. I mean, it's kind of like Oregon playing against themselves, but a better, better version of themselves. It's kind of hard to see how they can. Um, take Gonzaga out of their comfort zone enough to come in with a win. Should be a very high scoring game, but I'll take Gonzaga. And then the next one, we, uh, we both, yeah, we both have Baylor and Arkansas. That's a game that I think is going to be very competitive and very close, but I'll take Baylor to win this one. Love their guards. Uh, maybe the best backcourt in the country. So yeah, I'm taking Baylor. Yeah, this is the, one of the elite eight games that we're going to. And if we do get the Baylor Arkansas matchup, I'm very excited to go and watch that. I think it'll be a really, really good game. But I'm also taking Baylor in this one. But it'll be very fun to watch Moses Moody go against his Baylor team. No doubt, no doubt. And then in the next one, we have, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, we both have Loyola Chicago playing Houston. Tough one for me to pick. Who do you have here? Tough one for me to pick, too. But I think I'm going with, Loy I'm going with Loyola and Chicago in this one. Illinois is a better team than Houston, and Loyola Chicago won that game from tip to finish. I think if they can play a similar game, they'll do the same thing against Houston. And I'm picking Loyola Chicago to the Final Four for the second time in three years. Yeah, well, three. I, I said three, three tournaments. Yeah, second time in three tournaments. But yeah, I'm also picking Loyola Chicago in this game. I think they can handle Houston's physicality. Uh, Houston's obviously a really physical team and get on the backboard. I think Crutwig that uh, can really handle that. I mean, he showed how he can handle Coburn. Coburn had a good game, but Crutwig still played really solid down low and didn't get pushed around. So, yeah, I'm taking Loyola Chicago to advance to another Final Four, like you said, for uh, the second time in three tournaments. And then the last one, you have Florida State and Alabama. I have Florida State and UCLA. I'll go first here. I'm picking Florida State to advance to the Final Four. Like I said before, I just love their size. And especially when you play Florida State with only one day of preparation, they're arguably the hardest team in the country to prepare for because you just cannot simulate their size. You cannot simulate their athleticism and the way that they play defense. When they're locked in defensively, it's very tough. They deny the gaps. 
And I mean, they can switch about everything. Raycon Gray is an absolute animal. I mean, he kind of has a Zion build, uh, not quite as athletic as Zion, obviously, but he still, he has that build and he, he's versatile, can guard multiple positions. And yeah, I'm going, going with the Seminoles here. Who do you have in your Florida State, Alabama Elite Eight game? Yeah, out of all the Elite Eight games that I have, this I think is the hardest one for me to pick. But for the sake of having a different Final Four, I think I'll pick Alabama in this one. I really love this Alabama team. They play five-out basketball really well. Herb Jones can do a lot for this team. Um, love Javon Quinterly coming off the bench. It'll definitely be a good game as for every, all the reasons that you said, but I'll go with Alabama here. No, there's no doubt, like, if Alabama plays their best basketball, they're extremely tough to beat because they can, they can just bury you with 15 threes on any given night. And like you said, the, the way they play offense with the spacing and, you know, the driving and kicking, they're very dangerous and hard to guard. And, and like you said about Herb Jones, Herb Jones is probably one of the more underappreciated players. He only averages slightly over double figures, but what he does defensively doesn't go in the box score, but he is, I mean, he's a selfless defender. He can guard about any position. And, you know, he's, he's just an animal out there defensively. But with that being said, that is the last Elite Eight game we're going to pick. And so my final four is Gonzaga, Baylor, Loyola, Chicago, and Florida State. Yours is Gonzaga, Baylor, Loyola, Chicago, and Alabama. So slightly different there. But that'll be the conclusion of this College Hoops Mania podcast. I'd like to thank Chase for joining the show again. Had a lot of fun talking college basketball with him. And I'll be back for another episode with you guys probably after the after the lead eight games so a little final four preview for you guys in about another week or so and so i'd like to thank chase for joining the show again and i'll catch you guys next week see ya